0: So Philippians 4, beginning at verse 4, let's hear God's holy and infallible word. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the God of peace will be with you. So, the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote Philippians, as well as 12 or 13 other books, letters in the New Testament, uh, starts out in verse 4 with something that informs the rest of these verses. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. It's kind of like, oh man, are you kidding me, Paul? Is this for real? Rejoice always? Give us a break. Let's be realistic. Rejoice always always rejoice when 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 chemo drugs are being pumped into my body rejoice when the church has let me down rejoice when our our youth director has announced that he's been called to go elsewhere rejoice when i don't have a job rejoice when so many things are not right in our country Rejoice at the birth of a healthy baby, yes. Rejoice at a wedding, for sure. Rejoice at a graduation, a baptism, a birthday party. Rejoice after a clean medical scan, definitely. Rejoice about new members in the church, amen. As it is, though, there are times when rejoicing doesn't seem to make sense, right? What about those periods in our lives when uh, we seem to be more in the valley than on the mountaintops? And, and you know and I know and, uh, that God gives some Christians many, many valleys in their lives and gives them long, dark ones. In fact, um, one of my mom's closest friends uh, in, in West Michigan, she lost her husband to cancer A year this past past September, so a little less than a year ago, three days ago, her on Tuesday, however many days that was on Tuesday, her oldest of three sons, who was 48 and had three kids, also passed away of cancer. Her her husband died of lymphoma, uh, and her son Troy died of colon cancer. That spread throughout his whole body. And that's the valleys that God gives some Christians. And and some of you have been through those valleys. Not just every once in a while. But it feels like often. Um, Can you imagine that if it wasn't for the fall into sin. We would never have sorrow. But we'd have all joy. All joy. The time that's how it's going to be in heaven but but then what about the meantime right Paul's not talking about heaven but he's telling us to rejoice always now he's telling us to rejoice always here so how how is that even possible I'm quite sure that the Philippians the Christians in this church in Philippi Probably were wondering a little bit about all of this too when they read this letter for the first time. But then they knew the guy who wrote these words. They knew Paul and they knew that he had credentials in the valley in hard times. In fact, it was in their city. When their church was being planted, that Paul and his buddy Silas were arrested, stripped, beaten, flogged, and they were thrown into prison, and their feet were fastened with stocks. But do you remember what Acts 16 says they did there in prison, sore in the middle of the night? Check it out. They prayed, and they had a hymn sing. They rejoiced. And while writing this very letter, Paul was under arrest and in prison yet again. And yet Philippians, we've seen this all summer, it's a letter of joy. He writes the word joy or rejoice 16 times in these four chapters. The church knew It wasn't all talk for Paul, but that when the rubber hit the road, he lived a life of rejoicing, even during the trials. How he did that, big picture, was because Paul's joy was not dependent on his circumstances, but being rooted in his relationship with Jesus. His joy was dependent on on Jesus and his relationship with him, not things around him. But in our verses, Paul brings us beyond that picture of the ultimate secret to a joy-filled life, knowing Jesus to how that looks in our lives. In other words, he tells us a few ways we can live out of our relationship with Jesus, which will lead to joy. So here's how we can rejoice always. We can rejoice always, for one, uh, you will when you are gentle toward others. Paul says in verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. Titus 3.2 tells us to be considerate. 2 Timothy 2.24 says, The Lord's servant is to be kind to all. Jesus said by this all men will know you're my disciples, if you love one another. And it's not always easy to treat one another well all the time, right? We let ourselves get annoyed or upset about the, the, the people in our lives, um, and the result is that we don't always treat others with the gentle spirit that Paul talks about in our text. Gentleness means being someone, is gentleman. gentleness means not being someone who is always picking a fight. Gentleness means patience and kindness, not letting people annoy you. You know, it's possible, and I'm sure we've all done it, it's possible to let our joy be sapped uh, because we're, we're churning inside about something or someone, whether it's someone close to us or something close to us or something uh, in the country, in our nation, in the world. And, and we can let people and stuff out there get in our heads and under our skin. Letting other people control our moods can be a major problem for us. The most extreme version of that is called codependency, and that really kills our joy. Codependency is when your feelings, your mood, your joy, your life is all dependent on others around you or on one particular person around you. We can overcome this by being rooted in our relationship with the Lord. Uh, The Lord is near, Paul writes, and he's near even in our hearts. And Paul wants us to grow in that relationship and grow in living out of that relationship by being gentle to others, which will lead to a joy-filled life. And if there's someone who did something to you, and we've all had this, that just really gets under your skin... Don't let it steal your joy. The Lord is near also means that one day he's coming again. And he's going to take care of everything in the end. Whatever and whoever is bugging you, it's in his hand. Leave it with him. Don't stew on it. And be gentle and kind to everyone. And we, when we do that, we're going to do better at rejoicing always. As we go on in our verses, Paul gives us another way to rejoice always, and that's when you cast your cares on God. We will have a joy-filled life when we leave our cares with the Lord. In verse 6, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. And Jesus himself says in Matthew 6, do not worry. I want to tell a little bit of a a modern-day parable, not a biblical parable, but... A parable, nonetheless, we could call it. There was once a village that had a very wise old man that lived in it. And the villagers trusted this man to provide them with answers for their questions, concerns, and worries about their lives. One day, a farmer from the village went to the wise man, and he said in a frantic tone, Wise man, help me. The most horrible thing has happened. My ox died, and I have no animal to help me plow my field. Surely this is the worst thing that has ever happened to me. The wise man listened, and he replied, Maybe so, maybe not. The man was frustrated with that calm answer. He hurried back to the village, reported to his neighbors that the wise man was going crazy. Surely this was the worst thing that could have ever happened. Why couldn't he see this? But the next day, the man saw a strong young horse near his farm. And because his ox was gone, he had in mind to catch this horse. And he did catch the horse. And he was so happy. Plowing the field had never been easier. He went to apologize. To the wise old man, you were right. Losing my ox wasn't the worst thing that could have happened. It was a blessing in disguise. I never would have got this horse otherwise. You've got to agree with me that this is the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And the wise man again replied, maybe so, maybe not. Not again, thought the farmer. He's really for sure going crazy now, but sure enough. The farmer didn't know what was going to happen next. A few days later, the farmer's son was riding the horse. He was thrown off. He broke his legs. And now he wouldn't be able to help the farmer with the crop. Oh, no, thought the man. We're all going to starve to death, our whole family. And he went to the wise man again, and he said, how did you know that getting that horse was not a good thing? You were right again. My son is severely injured. He's not going to be able to help with the crop. I'm sure that this is the worst thing that could have ever happened to me and my family. You've got to agree with me this time. But just like before, he looked calmly at the man and said, maybe so, maybe not. That calmness in this, to this very excitable farmer just enraged him he couldn't believe that this guy could be so ignorant and so the farmer stormed back into the village the next day troops arrived to take every able body man to war that had just broken out the farmer's son was the only young man in the village who didn't have to go he would live the others would probably all die that's the end of the parable what does it teach us well We make such a big deal about things that happen to us in life, about different circumstances that we have to deal with, right? We blow things out of proportion when things are bad. uh, We imagine all the terrible things that are going to result from it. We imagine scenarios in the future when we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't even know what's going to happen this afternoon, but of course, we know the one who does know all things. He's got uh, the big picture in mind. And while we can't even see out of this moment as puny human beings, we can't even see out of the moment we are in right now, but he sees even beyond the horizon of our entire lives. He's sovereign. The sovereignty of God is a special and dear doctrine that I hope you know and cherish. The fact that God is sovereign means that he is completely in control of your life. And it also means beyond that, that he's also in control of all things, and according to Romans 8, working them out for the good of his children. So, casting your cares on the Lord, the one who can handle it all, is a key to being worry-free. Instead of being glum in life, this will contribute to us rejoicing in the Lord always. There's there's one more way to rejoice in the Lord always that we see in verses 8 and 9. Finally, uh, we see that right thinking is going to lead us to rejoice, in the Lord. We're called to get our heads straight with right thinking. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, how does Paul conclude? What about those things? Think about such things. Think. And that's key. Paul writes just before this about a peace that passes our thinking, that passes understanding. But that doesn't mean understanding is not important in the Christian faith in life. The Christian life isn't just about floating away with our feelings, tuning out the world, tuning out our relationship with others seeking to uh, have mystical union with God, like some Christians in history have focused exclusively on, and we have a name for them. They're called mystics. To be sure, when he talks about a peace that passes understanding, to be sure that we stay grounded in what's what, Paul says right away that right thinking is a key to a joyful life. And look what you have learned and received and heard from me, writes Paul. The biblical faith seems to give a priority to our intellect and to our thinking. As much as it's so important to have a balanced Christian life and a balanced church life, balanced between our our heads, our hearts, and our hands, which our mission statement reflects with those three E's of the word, love and service as much as all that's true as reformed christians we believe god's word points us to a priority of the mind it's not so much about our feeling right that's going to make us not worry and be gentle and joyful it's not so much about doing the right things that are going to make us gentle and joyful and not worry. Though Those things can help, but it's especially about having our minds right with the knowledge of God and Jesus and the Word. And that foundation is especially going to help lead us to joy-filled living. The Apostle Paul tells us to think about holy things, pure things, true things, lovely things. That's what we fill our minds with. And Frankly, in our society, it, there don't seem to be too many excellent things uh, to fill our minds with, and I don't think I need to give you, I, I was thinking of all kinds of examples, but you can, you can guess, you know what's out there, you know what it's like to listen to the day-to-day news, you know what it's like to listen to certain shows on, on talk radio, you know what it's like to see certain posts shared on Facebook, and, and you also know that there are some dark places in the internet that aren't too hard uh, for, for folks to get to. Um, there, there, there is, there's a lot of trash, there's a lot of junk that we can fill our minds with, and God's call for us is for our minds to rise above uh, the trash that's all around us, and in contrast, fill our minds with what is noble and pure and lovely and what, with what we have learned and received and heard from God's word. And that will result in joy. Where do, where do we need to get our heads straight today? What, need, what do you need to stop Filling your mind with and what more excellent things can you fill your mind with i think of oh and she's still here that's not always the case i think of little charlotte this morning and as parents we want to have our children experience joy filled lives almost more than anything else we want their lives to be good filled with joy For Charlotte, as her parents disciple her in the faith and as they raise her in this church family, we pray that she's going to be developing a relationship with the Lord. And then out of that relationship, she can have a gentleness that will be evident to all. She can cast her cares on the Lord and and she can go through life with her head on straight, with right thinking, knowing the truth about who she is, who the people of God are and who the Lord is, and and all of that is going to lead to being able to rejoice. And that joy, that can be for each one of us as we live in Jesus' presence and as we live out of that presence with gentleness, no worries, and making sure our thinking is straight. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're um, thankful for your word, uh, for the promises that are there in your word, and even for this promise and this calling more to uh, rejoice always. What, what a challenge, what a difficulty. It's, it's so hard that, frankly, oh God, we confess that sometimes we don't even try, and we just think it's impossible. But oh God, I, I would I, I also know of so many in our in our church who have and are doing that even in the valleys, even in trial, and that um, you've given us your son, and as we stay rooted and founded in knowing him and in that relationship, how oh God that can uh, make a foundation that can keep that joy despite circumstances, despite hard things around us and even in our own lives and i pray oh god that uh, you would help us live out of that relationship with you in these several areas that the apostle paul is telling us to and encouraging us to make us uh, men and women and boys and girls who are gentle and i pray that uh, you would especially bless those who Who struggle with that gentleness and kindness. I pray, O God, that we truly could cast our cares on you. And I pray in a special way uh, for all of us who can struggle with worry and anxiety. Help us to lay them at your feet, O sovereign Lord. And, O God, I also pray that you would uh, keep us fixed on. Uh, We want to feel the right way in our Christian life. We want to do the right things and serve. But Lord, help our foundation to the Christian life to be your word in our minds. Give us that right thinking. May we have our head on straight as we go through life in all its various stages from Charlotte's age at birth forward uh, to older age until you ultimately call us home. O God, as we cast our cares on you, after we seek after right thinking from your word and from Jesus and the Spirit themselves, and as we seek to be gentle to all, would that all result, O God, in us doing better at this calling of Paul to rejoice in the Lord always, Amen.